hello, and welcome to the Made for This podcast. I'm your host, Julie Turner, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. I believe that each of you are created uniquely and for a purpose. On this show, I talk with women that I believe are living out their God-given purpose right in the place where they are at. And my hope is that wherever life has you, whether you're in the workforce, raising young people, or both, whether you're married, single, fullness, or emptiness, whatever your particular circumstance is, I hope that in listening to these women and their stories, you will feel inspired to live confidently in your own purpose every day of your life. You'll be hearing from ordinary people living ordinary lives with an extraordinary purpose. On today's show, I will be talking with my dear friend, Julie Wilhite. She's a wife to her childhood sweetheart, a mom to three beautiful children, and she's also a full-time children's pastor at her church. Today we'll be talking about everything from her so close moment to her life on the farm, her marriage, her children's ministry, and even her husband's rather unique retirement plans for the two of them. I know you're going to love her, and so without further ado, here is my interview with my good friend, Julie Wilhite. Right. Welcome to the Made for This podcast. I'm so glad that you're willing to be a guest on my show today. This is my dear friend, Julie Wilhite. We've known each other forever, been through raising babies together, mm-hmm. met on your farm because I would never go home after preschool. <laughs> right. So a little backstory on that. I dropped my kid off at her darling little farm preschool and all the other moms would pick their kids up at 1130 and I would show up at 1130 and, and stay. never leave. Forever. Mm-hmm. And I don't recall that I was actually invited. <laughs> I just... No, you would follow me into my home. Oh, right. Yes. And we'd just sit mm-hmm. and chat and watch you our children. know me well enough to tell me, um, bye-bye. It's, bye-bye it's now. now. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> it made for hours of great conversation. And look where we are now. And look where we are now. <laughs> so many years later. I've I don't even know how many years, but a lot of years. Well, Anna's 15 and he was three, so a lot of years. Um, So I am so excited to have you on the show because, as you know, the whole point of this podcast is to inspire women to live out their purpose right where they're at. Um, I believe God has a unique purpose for each of us individually, and um, I want each of us to feel empowered and inspired to live in that purpose every day. And I see you doing that every single day of your life. So let's tell everyone a little bit about you. You are a wife and a mom and a children's director. Yes. And you have three darling children. Yes. Kate, who is a senior in high school, Luke, who's a sophomore, and Jesse, who is a little fourth grader. Which is just so sad because I've known Jessie her entire yes. life and I can't believe she's in fourth grade. Yes, yes darling children, I may steal them sometime. <laughs> it's a wonder that I haven't already. <laughs> I know. I come home, they're there. <laughs> I thank the Lord that Julie hasn't taken them yet. Yes, if they're ever missing, you'll know right where <laughs> to find them. Yes. Um, so I really feel like every single episode needs to have a so close story. That story where you feel like everything is just kind of going along on track, ready to be awesome. And then at the very last second, not so much awesome. So close. Yeah. So close. So I would love to hear, usually this is quite the role reversal because usually (laughs) I have all the so close (laughs) moments and you laugh at them. Right. And it's, that's but I really my favorite feel like, way. It's my favorite way. <laughs> but I really when I get feel to like, laugh at your so close stories. Right. <laughs> but you must have some. I, I'm oh, feeling yes. like I'm remembering a traffic cone incident. <laughs> right. Right. So I was driving in my little minivan that I take all the children in. And I'm driving along and there's a traffic cone in the road. But there's a car next to me so I can't swerve. There's nothing I can do at this moment. And it's Eagle Road, which is 55, so it's fast. So I just kind of go over it a little bit and it drags under my car for a while <laughs> and it's fine. Like, there's no problem. We're just driving along and with a traffic cone under my car for a while. Fully stuck under your Fully car. Fully stuck under my car. And I don't go too far, like a block or so, because I'm in the middle of all the traffic. <laughs> it's not like I can stop. And it's a four lane road and I'm in the 
you know, the middle of it. I'm not on the side. So there's no choice here but to just keep going. So finally I get to a stoplight. I'm a few cars back. So I pop out of my car and I pull the traffic cone out from under my car and it's a little crumpled, but it's not bad. Like it's, it's still usable, I think. But what do you do with it? I mean, the all of the traffic cones are back a couple blocks. So I stick it in my car and then I'm freaked out because I just basically stole a traffic cone and I'm thinking, can you get in trouble for this? Like, and Well, and you are a children's steal. pastor, so. <laughs> and I don't want to steal a traffic of cone. Of all the things to get busted for. Right. Is- so, right. These are all the things going mm-hmm. through my head. And so I'm thinking, okay, what are my options? I mean, maybe there, I, I really did think in that moment there's got to be some place where they store all these traffic cones like maybe there's a traffic cone warehouse somewhere or I mean where do all the traffic stuff come from right and where do all the workers go like to check in for work I mean there's got to be like a whole like a bus barn yeah for traffic cones yes okay you get it so (laughs) I'm so I just decided I've got to find a work crew somewhere so I drive a few miles because I know by my brother's house just a few miles away they are doing road construction so I drive over there and I pull over and I get out the traffic cone that's a little bit crumpled from the back of my car and I go up to the road (laughs) construction man and I explained that I accidentally picked up this traffic cone and that maybe he could return it to the warehouse if one exists. (laughs) And so he... And I'm imagining there's a look on his face at this moment. Right. He's not so impressed, but I... I tried to explain to him that I didn't want to steal it. It just happened and it was an accident. And so he basically told me that there's nothing he can do with it and that I should probably just throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) To which I was like, are you sure I won't get in trouble for that? Right. So I put it back in my car. Put back in my car, drive away, took it to my trash. Because now you have to find a secret dumpster where no one can trace it. Right. Right? What if the garbage people showed up at my house, (laughs) saw the traffic cone, knew that I stole it? Wipe the prints. Right. Cover all right. the trace. Right. Okay. So, the poor traffic man. And and the, and there was no option to like go back and take it where no, you picked it up. It's from? a traffic jam. It's five o'clock Eagle Road traffic. Right. Also that. Five lanes of traffic. <laughs> I can't go back. I can't leave my kid in the car while I walk back a few blocks. I absolutely love that you couldn't steal a traffic cone even on accident. No, and that's terrible. That you returned it to a random construction site. Right. Broken. Right. I guess that's where I went wrong. I probably should have turned around and just gone back and ran it into the middle of the road where I got it from. But I didn't (laughs) consider that at the time. How did you know it was under your car? Was it just banging the whole... Yeah, you could hear it. it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. So close. So close. So close. So close. You were so close. Honestly, though, I think I have about... 54 of my own so close moments for every one of yours. So this is really awesome. I really feel like that if revel in the moment, it's just so rare. Um, Well, I love that. I love that. And it really does tell a lot about you. You're quite a perfectionist, very driven. And you are, in my husband's words, the very best children's pastor that he's ever met. He loves you. And you are, I agree. So tell me about... Let's let's talk about that. How did you how did you get into kids ministry from teaching my son preschool on your right. cute little farm and right. driving your tractor? How did you go from that to kids ministry? Originally, I was a public school teacher and I loved it. I thought it was the best job ever. I taught first and second grade and really did love every minute of it. Um, I quit because um, I felt like God was. Um, calling me to be a stay-at-home mom for a while. So I did that. When my two older kids were in preschool, I did the little preschool in my home because I wanted them to be social and have all the fun activities. But I really thought that it would be more fun just to have all of their friends with me instead of sending them somewhere. So I did that. Well, then um, I had had a friend who was my prayer partner for a few years, and she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and given um, three months, and she asked me to pray that um, she would be healed, that 
she asked me to be the one who hoped for her mm-hmm. um, that believed God could come in and um, heal her. So I did that with everything I was. And she, um, she lived for two years and we had a, an amazing two years of watching God work and work in her and work in her family and her friends' lives. And um, so they gave her three months and she had two, two years. years. At the three-month mark, actually, she ran five miles that morning. Oh, <laughs> so bless her little heart. Um, so she, when she passed away, I, I had been just stay-at-home mom, um, and I really just struggled with God because I had hoped and prayed so much for her that when he didn't heal her here on earth, I, it rocked me. Right. It just rocked me. And so I went through a time of just being sad, being um, angry with God that it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, being disappointed in him because I knew he could have stepped in if he wanted to. Um, I had all the emotions. Well, this was a heartbreaking thing. She was an active, like you said, runner. Yes. Healthy, young. Yeah. Mom of three young babies. Right. So there was all of that yeah. in the situation. Yeah. And so our hearts hurt for her as a mom. Right. But also just how can this happen to such a young, vibrant yeah. person who yeah. was the life of every party. Oh, right. She was so funny. And you were such a good friend <laughs> to her that entire time. So, yes, that would be... Hard to process. Right. So I went through a time of just sad. And I didn't let most people know that. um, But I knew, I kept it all very close to me. But I knew that I was not doing well. So um, I realized, one of my old schools had called me and asked me to come in and do a reading intervention class for kindergarten through third graders for kids who were struggling. And it was an eight-week little job, three days a week, um, very minor. But what I learned in those eight weeks was that I had to get out of myself. I had to get beyond my own grief and start pouring into other people um, because that was the way that was going to pull me out of this funk that I was in was seeing other people in need and being able to meet those needs. So that was in the spring and that summer I decided I would go back to teaching. And so I applied and had a great job all set up. And then God just really closed the door. I just felt in my spirit that it was not the right thing to do. I was a little bit angry at him because I thought it's the perfect job for me. And, um, I was so ready to go back and do something like that. And the first week of school, that school year then, my pastor called me and said, hey, we need um, some help in our kids' ministry program. I had been volunteering at the church for 11 years in kids' ministry, so I knew the families and I knew the kids. So it would be an easy step in, help out, help get the program back where they needed it to be, and then step out in a year and then go back to teaching. I still had not given up that I was going to go back to teaching. Right. So, um, a couple months into that, the leadership of the church came to me and asked me if I would consider taking over the job because the man who had the job at the time was going to move on and be a senior pastor. And I said no pretty quickly and pretty easily. I did not want to work for a church. I said, I remember saying just right off the bat, oh, there's two problems here. Um, I am not a pastor, like, and I don't really want to be. And, um, yeah, so there's that. And um, I just don't work full-time. I'm just not ready to work full-time. So I'm not your girl. Go look That doesn't work with teaching, which you were going to do in a year. So that would have... Right, and I was going to go back Mm -hmm. to teaching. And the jobs that I was looking at in teaching were part-time. Those were going to be the perfect fit for me. I was sure of it. Absolutely positive, 100%. Right, very different. So then I got, um, and then the Lord started working on me, started working on the church leadership, and they ended up months months after this, we ended up kind of negotiating this part-time kid ministry director position for me, um, and it has been five years 
which is crazy because at the time I said two years tops and then I'm going back to teaching. (laughs) I was absolutely convinced that that's what God wanted me to do. Okay. So before we go on to that, because I want to ask you what made it go from two years to five years, like what kept changing your mind. So Mm -hmm. we'll place mark that. But Mm -hmm. what I think people listening might be interested in also is you bravely said that you went through a season of being angry at God. And I personally love that you felt like you could say that because I think sometimes we think we mm-hmm. shouldn't bring that emotion mm-hmm. to God. So what did that look like? How, how, how did that play out as you're still trying to maintain your faith and maintain your love for him while being really disappointed and mm-hmm. really frustrated, angry? How did that play out for you? What do you, how, how do you bring your anger to God? Well, uh, that's a hard question. I think for me, it just looked like being honest with him. I, through that whole time, I didn't, I was mad at him. I believed in him still, but I didn't talk to him for a while. For me, I was so mad I withdrew from him for a while and um I wouldn't say that that's the best way to deal with it but um it is what I did I just withdrew for a while and I didn't talk to him I still did what I was supposed to do I felt like my kids deserved a happy mom and my family deserved uh, someone present and so I I just kind of went through my days and I volunteered and I said the prayers and I read the Bible and I did the things with my kids that I needed to do, but that heart-to-heart conversation with God, I just didn't have it for a while. When I finally did get to a place where I could talk to him, it was all honesty. It was crying out to him, really weeping. Um, It was, it was being mad. I was being mad at him and and letting all of that out like you would with anybody. And so that honesty before God, because he knows all of that anyway. So I right. don't know why. Right. I do the same thing. I don't know right. why we think that if, if we, we have just, to hide that from him. Right. Yeah. Like he doesn't know. So yeah. he knows that we're feeling that way. So there was just coming clean, essentially. Right. And just going, okay, yeah, I'm mad at you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also you said serving other people, kind of that combination. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely the combination that got me out of it. The seeing other people who need, who need someone to love them, who need someone to step in, who need someone to serve them, who, um, I think Jesus says, serve the poor. I think it's as much for the poor as it is for us. It's, it's how I healed was pouring myself out to somebody else. Looking at their needs and Trying to step For sure. in to the middle of For that. For sure. I feel like I really didn't heal until I was able to serve those kids again. Yeah. Like, I really was so caught up in my anger and my disappointment and my frustration and, and my grief and me, 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 that until I let go of it, got out beyond myself and stopped worrying about my own emotions, that's when the healing came was when I got to meet other people's needs. Right. That's so powerful. I think that's so inspiring, and I think that gives us all something to chew on, that we can think the solution is to turn inward and to become self-focused and um, justify any amount of wallowing or other coping mechanisms when really it's to get our eyes off ourselves and dive into somebody else's pain and see what we can do in the midst of that. and I know for me, when I come clean like that before God and just let him know exactly what I'm feeling or at least voice it since mm-hmm. he already knows it anyway, right? Um, it seems like even just that moment of honesty mm-hmm. spirals, begins to spiral the other direction as opposed to um, he knows. He knows yeah. we're mad yeah. and he knows that we shouldn't stay there and that that's not healthy right. for us and that it's not even a shouldn't like a, a, in a condemnation way. It's a... It's not best for you to right. stay in depression yeah. or anger or sorrow or wallowing. Yeah. And I think he, I don't know, for me, when I'm, I'm finally able to say, you know what, I'm just going to be honest here. This is where I'm at. It's like at that point, it's like he's like, okay, we can, we can do something. Yeah. We can work yeah. with this. We can work with this now that you are at a place of honesty and being real mm-hmm. with me. Yeah. 
And then he can come alongside yeah. and say, okay, let's do this right. together. Right. Um, that's powerful. Well, I mean, I knew you through all of that, and I am so sad that that had to happen, all of it. Um, but I love that you're, I love that you're in, honest with us because that's inspiring, I think, to other people. We all go through pain, and we all right. go through things that are disappointing and heartbreaking, and um, we can feel like God could have stepped in and intervened, yeah. and he didn't. And, yeah. I mean, that's a real... Yeah. That's a real part of life. Yeah. So thank you for sharing all of that. Um, we bookmarked what kept you in kids ministry for oh, right. five years instead of two. Right. One year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, helping out. <laughs> I don't know if there is any other good answer except that God just has me there. I don't even, I mean, it's been five years and I still am like, eh, I can't even believe I'm still working at a church. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. It. It just, it's just where he has me right now. And it's good. I like it, but I'm still sort of surprised that I'm still there. So I don't know. I so just, what do you love? Like what are, I know you love a lot of, mm, a lot of things about your job. What's like right. a favorite aspect of working with kids in church? Well, my favorite aspect is the people. Like I love not only the kids cause they are a riot. I, but I love my volunteer team. I have the best team of people to work with ever. Um, I love my little staff of three that I get to pour into and that we get to do ministry together. And I love, um, the staff that I work with. So definitely just the people. It's good there. You know, it's just good. Kids ministry is so unique. So I have been more involved in the worship side of church life or women's ministries. And it's somewhat, compartmentalized yeah. in a way. Yeah. And yet kids ministry, <laughs> you minister to the kids, the parents, and your volunteers. Right. So you have three right. groups of people. Yeah. And so in your world, how how many is that? If you added kids yeah, and parents and know. team, so many. Yeah. How many kids are in your program? Um, I think we have 350 that oh call that would say our church is their home church. And then um, I think our volunteer staff is about 120. And then we have three people that are on staff with me. Okay, well, I'm inviting you back on a separate podcast to talk to you about (laughs) leadership. What in the world? How do you lead a team of 500 people? Yeah, and I'm not a leader. I'm just a teacher of kids. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Okay, well, that is incredible. And Talk about living out your purpose, right, where you're at. And, well, and God probably grew up a lot of that in you. Like, did you even know you had that in you to lead a team of... No, no, no. I'm not sure that I still have it in me. <laughs> but um, Oh, everyone loves you. But I, I, you know, you learn yeah. a lot along the way and you... Well, and you genuinely care about people. And I think your I volunteers, do. I think if I was to ask them, what do you love about kids ministry in addition to the kids, I think they would... I think they would all feel so loved by you. They, they know you care about them and value them as well, people. Well, I hope so. I think that ministry ministry always has to be relational. At the, at the end of the day, it has to be about relationships. Um, and that's with the kids, the adults, families, whoever. Um, you are going to be more successful if you are relational, if you care about them. Yeah. So, well, and you retain leaders. Also, yes, yeah, bless their hearts. You have such they low just turnover. Keep yeah, back that's and, amazing. Yeah, I'm so, so thankful kudos to for them. That. Kudos to you. I for... thank the Lord for that all the time, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they're awesome. Um, what would you say is the most challenging aspect of kids' ministry? And maybe it's that managing it's people. I guess people. Yeah. Yeah, I love the people the most, but they are definitely the most challenging. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, You know, there's families walk in and you're just heartbroken for them because there's some real struggles and um, it is hard sometimes walking through those struggles because you you just your heart just breaks for them. I think managing people, adults, when I really do feel like my gift is more with kids, that is that is challenging. I never, I I really have never felt like I'm this big leader or should be in charge of a bunch of adults. But I find myself here and I find myself just going, okay, Lord, well, right. since I'm here, 
um, you need to do your work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, that is probably the most challenging. Right. Leaning on him for wisdom with all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, okay. You have great stories from your kids ministry. What is a standout moment with your kids? Like a, a sweet moment with a child or a mm. victory with a kid or what, what's one of your um, most exciting things that you've seen happen, most impactful? Right. Let's see. <laughs> it's so hard to pinpoint just one. I think the things that make me the most excited are when I see kids coming in who don't know Jesus, from families who don't know Jesus, um, who the kids end up being the ones who lead the parents to the Lord. That's, oh, that's my favorite. Um, I just had a, I just had a girl last May who started coming, um, and, and bless her heart. She came with a friend and loved it. And so she started coming regularly. And then the, the mom called me and the mom just said, we're, we don't attend anywhere. We don't have faith, my husband and I, and we're, um, but we want her to be able to just choose whatever. And so we're fine with her coming, but we're not interested. And, um, and so fast forward a couple months and then the dad starts showing up and, um, and then I, I make sure that there's some people in place to reach out to him. And it's so, oh, and then I, I was, I was, um, I came the last day of camp and that girl comes running down the hill towards me, Julie, Julie, I gave my life to the Lord and I put a stake in the ground. And you know, at this camp, they put stakes in there. They have a stake garden that just claims that I belong to Jesus. And so she had done that. And, and then, and then a month later asked, came to me and asked me to baptize her. So it's things like that, that you go up. A little girl who she's sixth grade now, so she's not that little, but a sixth grade girl came to Jesus because she came in and it was great. And dad is coming regularly. And so those success stories are what you just kind of hold on to, you know? Well, and it's so exciting. You read all the research that says that there's such a higher percentage of people that come to faith before the age of, you probably know this better than me. 14. Yeah. 14. Yeah. And, and you have them in those right. prime years. Right. And I've always felt like there's this window of spiritual development, like four to 10, I would say, that where kids just get it a lot easier than adults. Right. <laughs> they just understand. And I've always, people have always said to me, kids are the future of the church. And I so disagree. I think they are the church now because when mm. you tell a kid that Jesus loves them, they actually believe you. When you tell a, an adult that Jesus loves them, they go, yeah, but I did this. And I am, and this is what's mm. wrong with me. And these are all the reasons why Jesus shouldn't love me. But a kid, 99% of the time, a kid believes you. Like That's they get it so much right. better. And then you tell them, invite your friends. I want right. to meet them. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to have a great time at church. And they do. <laughs> like they amazing. have no hesitation right. um, to reach out to their friends. So, well, and honestly, adults can complicate Christianity a lot. And we can do totally. a lot of add-ins yeah. to, to yes. what is a simple yes. gospel message, yes. which is Jesus loves you right. and he died for you yes. and he has, has a, plan a great for you. plan for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, probably a lot of adults outside of the faith could yeah. honestly benefit from the purity of kids' ministry right. and just showing right. up and hearing the gospel message fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is amazing about what you get to do is it's not complicated. Yeah. And there's no extra saddles that we tend to put on do's and don'ts and right. can'ts and shouldn'ts. And yeah. It's simple. And some of that is mm-hmm. our own additions that don't need to be there when God's gospel is so very simple. Right. At its core. That's amazing. And then they turn into these little ambassadors for their families. That's awesome. <laughs> I love right. that. I know. That's my favorite. Little missionaries, yeah. right? In yep. their Right in their own home. Which is exactly what we're talking about here, which is we don't have to, in our age of social media and feeling globally connected through the interwebs, um, we don't have to have a giant platform to make a difference. And here are these kids with an exciting message and a truth they've grabbed a hold of. Yeah. And they can just turn around right to their friends and their family and share that message. Exactly. And make a huge impact. Right. Right where they're at. That's just, I love that beautiful so church is hard and 
and again, we can, it's made up of a bunch of people and we tend to make things complicated. We really do. And I, I, I'm sure I'm guilty of that as well. What encouragement do you have for anybody that, that may be currently kind of in the trenches of church work Mm -hmm. or a difficult season? What helps sustain you? And I know your task load is enormous given the fact that we already established you have so many people you care for. When it gets overwhelming, what is what encouragement do you have for people? Yeah, I think, well, I think first of all, you in any job that we choose to do, I think it's important to know that you're there for a bigger purpose, that God has put you there for a reason. Um, and it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. And he, he puts you there to do his work. Mm-hmm. And so... I think if you know that you are called to a position in anything, it's a lot easier to sustain it through the harder times to go, okay, Lord, I, I know that I'm here because you planted me here. So through the harder seasons, I think that you can hang on to that. But I also think for me, the one thing that, that I always fall back on is, is that I have these goals that I have for kid ministry And I always have those in front of me. Mm -hmm. Like I decided day one, here's what we're going to do in kid ministry. And I'm sticking to it. I know what the end result that I'm going for is. Um, I know what I want the kids to know and never forget. All of that is in front of me. And so when you have those purposes always there, it, it helps you get through the harder moments because you go, no, sticking to the straight and narrow path, right. which is what we set out to do, Lord, right. you and me together. Right, Here right. we go. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I think having the goals, keeping those right forefront always. Probably true in any aspect of our work lives or raising kids to really have those clear minded goals. This is what I'm trying to accomplish here. So that when you're in the trenches, you have these tangible, measurable outcomes that you're striving for. Well, because it is easily easy to be swayed. We're so media inundated right right now. Media comes at us from everywhere. There's always a new book and a new idea and a new thing that some of those are great, but lots of them could potentially pull us um, off our focus. Right. Wow. So much. Um, Well, let's take a break from work life and talk about your charming farm. (laughs) I cannot tell you how much I love that you live on a farm. It's just, I wonder if when you were growing up, you ever thought you would live on a farm? Well, probably not until I met my husband. Uh huh. Right. Which and was early on. So you right. Know. Oh, let's talk about that um, <laughs> because this is how you ended up on the farm. So yeah, right. let's talk about how you have known your husband most of your whole life. Yes, we met when I was eleven and started dating at fourteen. Which I we don't know. We do not understand at all what our parents were thinking at that point. But in Idaho, you can drive <laughs> at fourteen. I mean, we could. So you know, it all worked out. Um. But yes, he he thought that we should live on a farm, and um, me being, you know, all of teenage years, thought that that sounded like a great idea. So yes, <laughs> let's do it. Let's get a farm. <laughs> this is going to be great fun. <laughs> Which is just so funny when you actually really like to have things tidy and mm-hmm. manageable and yes. you like to wear the cute clothes and yes. not necessarily farm no. clothes. No, no, I like, <laughs> I like cute clothes and I like neat and tidy and no clutter and clean. These are all things that make my soul so happy. Which is somebody asked, describe farm life. Very few of those words would probably right. actually I know, get used. it's a problem. <laughs> But we've been there how many years? 17 years? It's it's the way of life. Well, it's one of the most charming places on earth. My kids really, I can't believe that I haven't lost them to you, that they haven't just <laughs> set up a camp over at the they're, lake. They're yeah. great fun over here. Yeah, no, we it's a good time the best place ever. And you have, okay, your husband was so proud to show me his automatic chicken coop. Right, it, I know. Isn't it like two stories? I feel like it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's two stories. It has an automatic door. I mean, we are like high tech farm over there. And it literally like opens in the daytime. It opens in the morning so they can go and graze all over the place. And then it closes at night after they've all come in. It's 
Oh my goodness. Because neither of us are really willing. I mean, yes, we we do the farm thing, but neither of us really at the end of the day are willing to get up early and go out there on a Saturday morning or come home except when we're out during at night. sheep season when you have <laughs> right alarms in the middle of the baby monitors, right? Baby monitors, yeah. Sheep. Yep. So we have sheep and they have lambs. We bring in a ram every fall for six weeks and he does his job. And then in the spring, we have all these lambs. I like how you told that story compared to your husband. Right. Of <laughs> talking about the ram's day. Right. Is well, yeah. Quite hilarious. And yeah. Probably when not the ram arrives to our farm each year, he's very excited. Yes. And the, all the mama use, you know what they're thinking because they all end up in the corner of the pasture. <laughs> Like as far away from him as they possibly can be. All together. <laughs> you feel a little sorry for him. He draws numbers where he can be in the middle of the pack and the last to get it's seen by sad the ram. For them, yeah. <laughs> a little sad day for them. And then your spry, happy ram. But I tell oh, them it's hilarious. only for six weeks, ladies. Only for six weeks. You pep talk. Of course you do. Pep talk you the pep sheep. talk the sheep. Of course you do. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. Um, I and then that. we put a baby monitor in the barn yes. for the springtime when the lambs are due because we need to be able to hear them if they're having problems with birth and all the things. And so your husband takes care of lambing yes. as well. Yeah. And every now and then when a lamb is not doing well, they end up in my bedroom. Right. On the floor, I and do that's know fun. You've bottle fed yeah, we, lots of lambs. Yes, yes we we have. It's and you're not very big animals in the house, girl. This is a lot of no. I don't do animals in the house mainly because I live on the farm, mm-hmm. and it's all gravel mm-hmm. and irrigation yeah. ditches and mud. Yeah, boundaries. <laughs> right. You gotta love your tidy life inside. Yes. yes. And, no. This is very. This is to your great credit that you bring <laughs> little baby lambs in your house. I love right. that. Um. You have three of the happiest children that I know. I alluded to that earlier. They are darling. I am not kidding that I've wanted to steal them <laughs> and still would. So if you ever just, you know, they're they pretty, I think they would notice. Now probably now the walk home. Old. <laughs> right. But I'd still. Um, so how, how I could, I feel like it's, maybe you could. To see how you could have one out of three happy children, but you have three out of three, not just happy children, but phenomenally happy children. How, Thank you. How does this, how does this happen? How do you have, <laughs> what parenting strategies do you want to enlighten right. us with that lead to well-adjusted, happy, yeah. healthy children? Well, first I would just say that parenting is hard. Mm, and yes. I think that we don't know what we're doing most of the time. And I think that it's normal and maybe even okay that, that we do our best and we pray like crazy and we give them over to the Lord at some point to just go help, you know? Um, but I think, I think a couple things that have helped is you and I always talk about the win with kids and having a win with our kids. And for us, that means like each day, just having something that is positive between us. And so whether that's going into Kate's room and laying on her bed and just chatting with her or whether it's taking Jessie to ice cream or whether whatever that looks like, just trying to have wins with them so that our relationship is mostly happy. And so don't that you find when the moments come where you have to have the hard right. talks or the discipline or any of that, that you're still, that you have still at the foundation a good relationship. Right. And does it, it probably plays out differently for each child, those wins. Well, totally. And you and I have talked about this before too, is that each of our children are made so different that they each require different things from us. So, so where Jessie just wants one-on-one time. I mean, she just wants, actually, it doesn't even have to be one-on-one with Jessie. She just wants to be together. Just everybody be together and everyone enjoy me. Which is why Jessie and I are such good friends. (laughs) It is because you are exactly alike. (laughs) Because we are exactly alike. (laughs) Just come, everyone be together, happy together, and enjoy us. Yeah. Right? Being in the same room. Yes. Yeah. Just just be with me and enjoy life together. Luke is a one-on-one kid. He just needs Mm -hmm. one-on-one time. So each of them look. They all have their unique personalities and their needs. and Yeah. It's so the exact you, same in our house. Right. As you know, my yeah. children are so very different. And yeah. what would be a win for one would 
not would not matter to the other one right it's it really is um I had a friend one time say she's a student of her kids and I love that because it really is studying what each of their unique personalities are and yeah and really their love language yeah. what what feeds their little soul right and, and I think I agree with you that's what sustains me through those hard times when you go through you phases know, and okay we are still good friends right and we are going to be yeah. okay in the end and right <laughs> they know that I love them and I, they love me and and even in the midst of a season of consequence even if you have had to take something away mm-hmm. or we still go for the wins every right. day right even right in the middle yeah um, at our house, and I know you do too. Well, that's so fun. Um, we talked about how you met your husband at 14, and you really are such good friends. Each of you both would describe each other as your very, very best oh, yes. friends. So yes. how how does that happen? What are what are, <laughs> what are things that you do to maintain that friendship? Yeah, I think I just got lucky with him. <laughs> <laughs> he um, we we started out so young that we were really good friends for, I mean, all of our teen years, we were really good friends. If you had known us in high school, you would have never thought that we would have gotten married. Even though we were dating, it wasn't, it wasn't ever serious. It Mm. wasn't, we, he had these firm rules. I mean, I was a, I was, I would have been all in, but you know, we weren't going to celebrate anniversaries. We never said, I love you. I mean, it was just a good friendship. And we were dating, and so it was fun. I think because that was kind of how we started out was that we grew up being friends. And I I think now, I mean, like, he's just my safe person. We can say anything to each other, as you well know, because I think we've we've been brutally honest to each other right in front of you, probably. Yeah, Yeah. Because we have that kind of friendship. But um, we can say He can say anything to me, and I know at the end of the day, I'm safe with him. So he can be brutally honest. He can have the the hard conversation with me if I'm, you know, out of line or um, or if he disagrees with something. Or we can have those conversations, and they don't rock us because this solid friendship is really the basis of it. And I know that I know that I'm good with him always. I love how both of you are so free to express your opinion, like you're saying. It's yeah. one of my very favorite things about you is is that the things that you'll say to each other right. are hilarious to me because, right. again, there's so much safety in, and mm-hmm. security in your relationship that yeah. you can look at him and we say, that a, is the dumbest yeah. thing I've ever heard, yeah. and it can just be fine. Yeah. Snarky. <laughs> we can be very snarky, and it's okay. It's okay. And no, you may not wear that. And oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness, yeah. I think just yesterday... Or maybe a couple days ago, he came downstairs, and I hadn't, during his work days, I lay out his clothes because, Lord help him, he can't do it on his own. (laughs) So I lay out his clothes. He came downstairs, and I had forgotten that day. Shame on me. But he came downstairs, and I'm like, oh, baby, no. Back up. (laughs) It's pointed. Just point up. Go back. (laughs) Turn right back around, honey. Try, try again. And I love that he does it. Oh, yeah, because he knows. He knows I'm right on this one. But then he has things where he has his own strong opinions and would not bend. But I love that on that issue, he just marches right back upstairs. Right. Okay. Yeah, we can say just about anything to each other. And most of the time, it's it's said in fun, but even when we're serious about it. But he's, um, yeah, we can say just about anything to each other. And, And the other thing I think, too, is we don't hold it. Right. We say it and get it out there and then... It's, it's done right. and over, and um, there's no grudges held, right. which I think is kind of a key in marriage. Right. Because um, cause marriage is, you've got a lot to work through over the years. And, right. Um, so I think not holding a grudge is a pretty good gift to give your spouse. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that phrase. Not holding a grudge is a good gift to give your spouse. We probably could all give that to each other. Often and right. intentionally, right? The, the actual, yes, I forgive you, and I'm letting it go. Yeah, hmm. yep. I love that. Um, so, um, uh, speaking of you guys and your compromises and yielding to one another's strong opinions, your husband has big plans for your retirement. <laughs> my word. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. my Farm. eye roll is as big as can be right now. <laughs> Do you feel like sharing 
any of Where I will be in 20 more years. Right. Yeah. So fun. So fun. So he has this whole thing about, like, you know, being a survival man and living off the grid and all these things that I'm like, whatever. He is welcome to do that by himself for a while. (laughs) But I'm not going to be part of it. So... So he came up with this idea a few years back that would he gets to retire at 58 because he's in the school system. He's principal right. right now. So at 58, he gets to retire. Oh my goodness. But really, we don't have retirement monies until like 62. Oh, oh so, so there's four-year gap here. Oh, and see, so this I didn't know. Well, yeah, there's some retirement money, right. but not full retirement until 62. Oh, okay. So what you – what the – options are okay. is that you could you could work a part-time job for four years yeah you know just to kind of mm-hmm. get you by until that 62 age uh-huh. or or you could just live on less mm-hmm. and this is the obvious choice for him so he thinks that we should take our minivan <laughs> and convert it into a camper van and of he course. has Plans all drawn out where this is going to be awesome for us. I feel like there was even a toilet involved. Oh, yeah. And it's like right near the food prep area. So I don't know how that's going to (laughs) work. I already told him that that is not a thing. Logistically not practical. No, no. This is unclean. There is something to be That that is a very valid concern that you wouldn't want to be chopping your vegetables. Right. Next right to. next to someone on the toilet. None the of this is going bathroom. to fly in my world. The van portable Yeah, bathroom. and then, I mean, just think of the great things that you could do. If all you had to worry about was the minivan, you could travel all oh, over for four years. Right. For four years you could do this. I it mean, would be could. awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a wonder more people don't want to do <laughs> right? this. Right, right. Yeah, I don't understand what you're so hesitant about. I know. I know. I have already told him that that plan is not going to fly, and he's welcome, again, welcome to do it on his own, mm-hmm. but he will be still paying. I mean, I will still be living Right. Oh, yes. You, right. Mm-hmm. So. Because yeah. even beyond just the kitchen-bathroom issue, there, there's a few other problems I could see <laughs> for you in that. Right. <laughs> a few other problems. I love that so much because that's so exactly who yeah. he is. Oh yeah, and he and talks he, about he it. He actually, kind I of really a lot. Like this feel is like a thing. would do this. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. he probably would. Well, it's a good that you have a few years to brace him for <laughs> an alternate reality, <laughs> right? Or a solitude van experience. <laughs> Either one is fine with me. I'm not going in the van. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so funny. Um, okay, so in. Before we just get on to some of the just fun, random questions, um, how, as I mentioned, I really see you as somebody who lives out your purpose every day. And you, your husband tattooed on his arm, love God, love others, just to keep it simple that every day when we wake up, that's our two jobs. Yeah. We love God and we love others. So for anybody who may feel unworthy or inadequate or that, that whatever God has put in them to do, it will never amount to anything, mm-hmm. how would you encourage them to just look at it a little differently and, and see that they really do have an opportunity to live out their purpose every day, right where they're at? Yeah. I tell the kids every single week that God made them on purpose, just the way mm. they are. Um, and there's, I don't want them to be anybody, but exactly who God made them to mm. be. He made them that way on purpose, but for a purpose. And so I think when we feel like, am I making any difference or am I making an impact? I think so often we, um, are thinking about, um, having some big impact and that I want to go do something big and make a big difference and make a big, when really the the biggest impact we can make is is so small. It's on our people right around us, and mm-hmm. it's on our families and our kids and our coworkers and our. It's not. We don't all have to go out and do something big to yeah. have an enormous impact. Yeah. So, I guess I would just I would just say go back to the. Go back to the basic. Right. You were made specifically the way you are made with the gifting that you were made. 
um, and you're planted in a place for a purpose. And it's not every day is going to feel like a big thing. Your little stay-at-home mom who is so tired. Do you remember the days of being so tired? Like, I couldn't play Polly Pocket one more minute. No. I couldn't. No, I couldn't make a car sound one more time. One more time. one more time. I was so over it. I don't even make a good car sound, Jules. (laughs) Right. I mean, room, room is about all I have. And no, not one more time. I was just so thankful. I remember that Jesse would tell me what the Polly Pocket should do because I was so done having to make up Polly Pocket things. But (laughs) all that to say, that stay-at-home mom job biggest job ever and even though you feel like you're doing laundry and cooking and the impact you have on your kids is so huge and then so I would just say wherever you're at know that just look at the here and now there's long-term plan right I was listening to a Christy Knuckles share a podcast the other day and she talked about how at as a young girl, she loved songwriting mm-hmm. and she would go out into the base or into the mm-hmm. garage and set up her little stereo yeah. and her tape player. And yeah. she said, I am so glad I didn't have the internet yeah. to tell me that I, that what I was doing right. wasn't significant because right. it wasn't advanced or like yeah. somebody else. Or, you know, she said, I'm so glad that I got to be in my garage singing my little yeah. heart out, writing yeah. my little heart out. With no one there right. to listen. And thinking that I'm what, awesome. Right. Because that's what God right. made her to do. Right. And yeah. um, we live in such a different world now where there where is so much com- pressure to yeah. measure up and yeah. to be this um, worldwide right. known household right. name. Yeah. When you just want to look and you go, just just be awesome. Just do you. Be awesome. Just And leave it at that. And that's- that's, That's amazing. And I did read a verse the other day that said, David was in the Psalms was saying, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that we don't have to own those outcomes all the time. We have right. to just step out in obedience to what he's right. called us to every day. Right. And he gets to decide. Yeah. Small or big platform. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has just been so fun. I just want to close out each time just asking you some little helpful hints. Like, for example... What is your very favorite technology tool that you use right now to get through life? Like, do you have a, are you a day planner girl? Are you a phone calendar girl? Is there something new out there that I need to know about to help organize my crazy life? Well, I chuckle because um, I hate technology. I'm so bad at it. I'm so not gifted in technology. And really my favorite technology tool is, um, smart technology people oh. like your boys oh, right. who come in and rescue me all mm-hmm. the time. I love that. Right. <laughs> That's your favorite technology tool is yeah, it's smart children. Yeah. I, I think that would be mine also. Because I really, what would I do without them? Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I feel like that I can completely relate to that. Yeah. See, and I'm trying to be independent because I know that they're going to move away and I, leave me. Which is me. so rude. I know. It really so rude. Like, don't they know how much we need them here? This is going to be a, a huge hit. <laughs> I know. To my daily it's life. Coming. It's coming. <laughs> um, what is your favorite way to spend time with your kids? I know you said it looks different for each of them, but what's a favorite way that you spend time um, with your children? I think we're we're kind of the just hangout family, and my my favorite thing really is when we're all together. Because now that I have a senior and a sophomore, we're not always all together. So if we're all together, sitting in the living room, just chatting, it becomes so funny. It's so funny to me right now just to hang out with them because they're in great stages of life. And it all it always ends up being a laughter, just a laugh fest, that's, you know. That's awesome. It's so fun. I used to say playing games or hiking or camping or something like that. But right now, just being together and hanging out with them. And and they really are great laughers. They're the, they have the yeah, best Yeah, we laughs. do love laughing in my home. But I think, um, too, as you see your kids grow and develop their own little personalities that, like, you couldn't have even dreamed that they were going to turn out that way, right? I right. mean, because they're just such a surprise, each one. Um, to see those little personalities develop and their sense of humor. And it's so fun, I think, right now. That's awesome. Um, what's your idea of the perfect day for you? And and let's maybe even make that easier on you. Like, 
Your family is off and away, and they're so happy. <laughs> so you don't have to try to right. figure all that out. Right. It's just, you just get a day mm. to do whatever you want to do. What would that look like? It would involve coffee and a book and a hike. Oh, those yes. things would be those a are good things. great day for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe if you got all that done, you could go shop. <laughs> Yeah. But I wouldn't do that by myself. I would take you along. Oh, right. And then okay, that would good. be a great day, See, that was too. a little trick. I was just making right. sure. Making sure you were involved somehow. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, you're one of my best reader friends. What are you reading right now? You just gave me the saddest book. and But it was a good book. It was a really good book. We just right. got done reading The Nightingale, and it was very hard for me to read, but it was very well written. I couldn't put it down. So what yes. are you reading currently? Well, right now I am in a busy month at yeah. work and home. So I have been reading, um, I'm on kind of a Reggie Joyner kick. He's, oh, yeah. He's kid ministry right. guru of the world, I think, um, and deserves crowns and all the things because <laughs> I just think he's awesome. But um, I am right now reading two of his books, Don't Miss It, which he wrote with Kristen Ivey. Um, it's about making every week count as a okay. parent. So good, and I wish I had read it when my kids were two. But I love it for kid ministry too. Oh, Just yeah. that whole idea of we only have these kids for 950 weeks, like you know, a and yeah, make yeah. I have them 950 Sundays. I only get them for a portion of that because right. then I have to send them off to teens anyway. Right. Um, make wow. every minute count, you know. Wow. I love that, and then also, um, a new kind of leader by him. Oh, because nice. you know. As I stated before, I don't really see myself as a leader, so I so I like to read yeah. up on <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing <laughs> to be successful in this? Right. I don't know. Right. <laughs> any any little helpful hints are good. Right. And another really important part of this podcast for me is I just really believe that in order to survive this life, mm-hmm. in order to thrive in this life, and in order to carry out our purpose, we have got to be anchored in God's word and that can get crowded out easily for me and I'm sure Mm -hmm. others how do you what is your favorite way to spend time in the word Um, morning for me it has to be in the morning with a cup of coffee right and um my my bible my time in God's word looks is usually centered around what I'm teaching for that week because I know that when I'm teaching kids it's pretty simple but I like to I love the history of the Bible, and so I love just diving in and knowing more and then being able to give the kids little tidbits along the way. But So a lot of mine is centered on what am I teaching that week, and so I'm reading the passage and reading the commentaries. I love that, that with kids' ministry, you're diving into commentaries to teach them. Well, yeah, because I... And I tell them every, I tell them all the time, this is not a story, this is a, and they yell back history lesson because I want them to understand that this is true. This is history. This is the history of God's people, right? So, so if somebody's listening right now and they're like, oh, Bible commentary, that sounds helpful. Where, where do you recommend that they would find, like, where do you find yours? Do you use online commentary? I go to the blue letter Bible because I I think you introduced me to that years ago, maybe, but, um, yeah, I, I go there and then I just. So for anyone who's not heard, the Blue Letter Bible is a phenomenal Bible resource. They have commentaries, a Bible dictionary, several different translations, I believe, Mm -hmm. at least three Mm -hmm. different translations. Um, They give you the the original language. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's so helpful to me also. Okay, my last question, because I want to ask every single person on the podcast this question, um, because again, it's back to what you said earlier, where I feel like anything we can do to leverage where we're at to help somebody else. What is a favorite nonprofit organization that you currently support or want to? Um, Young Life. It's it's, it's always going to be my favorite. Young Life is a non-denominational outreach in the high schools, and I, they do a phenomenal job of reaching kids that don't know Jesus. And, um, my life was changed because of young life and my husband's life was, was benefited from young life. We, we went to college on young life scholarships and got to be leaders at different high schools in Spokane and got to take kids to camp. And, and then, so I, so it's a personal thing for me. I just think they do such a good job 
reaching kids for Christ. And over the long haul, they just celebrated oh. 45 years right here in the right here in area. the Treasure Valley. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they That's um, amazing. It's solid. It's solid. They teach Bible. It was so moving to and see it's the all original. Relational. Right. Yeah. It's it, all relational. It was so moving to see the original footage of the vision. Yeah. Behind Young Life yeah. and just the purity of that, just wanting to make a difference in the lives of kids and right. wanting to give them a strong sense of who God is yeah. and His love for them. And yeah, and I I do love that they base it all on relationship. And yeah. so Young Life leaders are in the schools and at the games and, and they're just trying to earn the right to be heard from kids. And that probably has influenced your ministry because your relationship, your children's ministry is completely relational. Right, right. Well, I'm sure because that's where I came from, that's what yeah. matters to me most. Right. Wow. Well, this has been a treat. I'm so happy that you took your afternoon since, as we just heard, you have <laughs> so much that you're doing in your life. And I love that you got to share your life with us today. So thank you. You're welcome. All right. <laughs>